going to preach to you this morning about the possum playing church. The possum playing church. I don't know if you've ever come up on a possum before. Uh, I think I think when we were living out here at the church here in the in the parsonage over next door, we was that us that ran across a possum out here underneath the bushes. It's either us or Brother Mike. I don't remember who was out here, but sure enough, you get up close to that possum and. It, when he feels threatened, you know what he does? He just plays dead. And I believe with all of my heart that's what's going on with the church as a whole right now. The body of Christ is largely, they feel threatened, and they're just playing possum. They're just playing possum. But I tell you, it, it, don't, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Now, I'm going to preach about the church out of the book of Matthew, which if you're a dispensationalist, which I am, I'm a dispensationalist, uh, preaching about the church out of Matthew is a big no-no according to dispensations. But I believe that all Scripture is profitable. It's all, it's all profitable. So I believe I can get some application about the church right here in a story uh, that took place in Jesus Christ's life. So let's look here in Matthew chapter 9 and look in verse 18. The Bible says, While he spake these things unto them, this is Matthew 9, 18, Behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead. But came, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole, and, that, and the woman was made whole from that hour. Now that section of verses right there from verse 20 and tw all the way down to 22, that doesn't have anything to do with the story this morning, but it's right there in the midst while Jesus is traveling to go take care of this situation of this man who came and said, hey, my daughter's dead, come and, come and handle the situation. And uh, sometimes when the Lord's on his way to go do some things, you just need to get in his way. Yeah, right. Just get in his way. I said you just need to get in his way. Just go ahead and get in his way. Just go ahead and when the Lord's acting like he's getting ready to pass you by, just say, hey, I need some help. Just, just mess the whole, mess God's program all up. Lord, Lord would probably appreciate that. Lord would appreciate it if you just get right in the middle of what God's trying to do and just say, hey, why are you in the middle of doing that? I need some help over here. God help me. I need you to come down and deal with my situation. What's going on? A lot of folks watching the Lord just pass them right on by. Jesus got down and he started talking to two fellas when they thought he was dead. They thought he was dead. They thought he was dead. And lo and behold, here he shows up right next to them. And he starts walking and the Bible says that they started talking and Jesus really started saying some unkind things to them. Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And the Bible said, beginning with the prophets, he began to expound to them all things concerning himself. Jesus is a little self-centered, if you didn't know. Jesus is pretty, and he got every right to be because it's all about him. But he started expounding all things about himself, and he got over there, and the Bible said where two ways began to part, he made as though he was just going to go right on the way that he was going to go. And the Bible says that they constrained him. They constrained him. They said, hey, what, what you going that way for? He said, well, I got business to take care of. Well, hey, why don't you come on over here with us? Okay, I'll come over there. You know why the Lord passes a lot of folks by? They don't stop him. The Lord makes us though. The Lord wants to come into your house. 
That's why he knocks on the door. The Lord wants to come into the door. He wants to come through the door of your heart, come in and have some fellowship with you. But a lot of Christians, not they're too taken up with a lot of trash to just bid him. Hey, why don't you come in and just sit down with us and sup with us and talk with us? So he just passes right on by. Yes, sir. He just passes right on by. Hey, man, we serve a good God. We serve a good God. You just need to start looking for the goodness of God. You need to start looking for God to do something in your life. You need to start begging with God and pleading with the Lord and saying, God, I need some help. Do something for me. Yeah, God will do something for you. Yes, sir. God will do something for you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The Lord will do something for you. It might just be that you're just playing possum. Just playing possum a little bit this morning. But he says here in verse 23, I ain't even made it through my text yet. Verse 23 says, when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, he said unto them, give place for the maid's not dead, but sleepeth. She's not dead. She's just playing possum. That's what that old possum does. He gets out there and feels threatened and just says, let me just lay here. Maybe nobody think I'm even breathing. Hold his breath. You go over there and you take a stick and just kind of lay there. You, you rattle him enough, he'll wake up and start. <laughs> yes, sir, like an old cat. Like an old cat. I ain't got much use for possums. <laughs> but I tell you what, that's what the church is doing, and God's got a lot of use for the church. Lord loves the church. He died for the church. He said, give place. Maid's not dead. She's sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. That's the world right there. Jesus is exactly who he is. He Jesus. In this story, I'm going to preach this message this morning about Jesus being exactly who he is. That little maid right there that's laying down, Jesus says, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. That's the church. Those folks that are sitting out there and they come in and they begin to weep with this old fella's family. That's the world. Mm -hmm. There they are. He said, give place. Get out the way. For maid's not dead. She's sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand. And lo and behold, one touch from Jesus is all it took. And the Bible says the maid arose. You know what, you know what the church needs? You know what the church, the body of Christ needs? Just one touch. Just one touch. You know why the church is playing possum? She ain't been in touch with Jesus. She's been in touch with a bunch of actors. Mm -hmm. Let's pray. Lord, help us this morning. God, I pray you give me wisdom. God, I thank you, Lord, for the encouragement, Lord, in my soul. God, I thank you, Lord, God, that I know that I can encourage myself in the Lord my God. Lord, I pray that you'd help minister to folks. Lord, don't know what the bad spirit in here this morning is about. And God just honestly couldn't give a rip. Just don't care, Lord. I, I suppose maybe some folks have backslid. Maybe some folks stayed up too late watching what's the stuff that they shouldn't have been watching. Maybe some folks is mad about some stuff that I preached. And I just don't care, Lord. I know, Lord, that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And, God, I just pray that, Lord, you'd handle it. I pray that you'd help folks. Lord, not, not hear, God, Lord, to do damage, Lord. And I don't believe that the truth is going to do damage at all. Lord, I believe the truth will edify folks. I believe it will build people up. And, God, I just pray, Lord, that you'd take, take your will, God, Lord, and just, just help folks. Lord, I pray you'd take your word and just minister to people. Pray that you'd encourage people this morning and help them, God, Lord. Help us to see that what we really need is to get in touch with God. Help us to see one touch from the master's hand is really what we need this morning. God, help us, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. Look here in Ephesians chapter 5. Turn with me very quickly over to Ephesians 5. I want to show you a verse. I want to say that the church is not dead. The church is not dead. She may be acting like she's dead, but she ain't dead. Now, that, that statement is, uh, it requires a lot of qualifying statements because you've got to define who the church is just because you're sitting in a building this morning. That don't mean that you're part of the church. You say, well, how do I get part of the church? You've got to trust Jesus as your Savior. And you don't have to be a part of the Baptist church to be a part of the body of Christ. And I'm thankful for that. Listen, I'm Baptist because I believe that Baptists are right. I'm not going to take Baptist off the church sign. I'm not going to change the way I believe just to accommodate a bunch of long-haired hippies who like contemporary Christian music. I just, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to drop my standards just because people begin to get hair-lipped with hard and straight preaching. I'm not going to change my preaching, Brother Pedro, just because people sit there in the pews and dirty looks twice as good as an amen as far as I'm concerned. Yes, sir, that, no, that lets me know that I'm where I need to be. But church is not dead. You know what the church is concerned about today? You know what, you know what the body of Christ is more concerned about today? She's more concerned about being nice. Well, we just got to be nice. We just have to be friendly and we just have to be kind. It's funny to me that the early church wasn't too concerned about that. I don't see where Paul walked around worried about being nice. You can take your niceness and shove it up your nose. Paul wasn't too concerned. He was worried about being kind. He told you in Ephesians chapter 4, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted. I'm not throwing off on being kind, but he wasn't worried about being nice. The Bible says you're supposed to be friendly. The Bible says a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Sure, not trying to throw off on that stuff at all, but I'm telling you, that's not what the church is about. You know what the church is about? The church is about something that's got power. Yes, sir. It's about being hooked up with the master. It's about grabbing hold of the master's hand in one hand and then grabbing a hold of this world by the tail with the other and letting the electricity flow from heaven and just shock the devil right out of this world. That's what the church is about. It's about power. God, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. That's what happens when a church gets hooked up with Jesus. That's what happens when the church gets hooked up with its founder. They don't wander around like a bunch of little slithering snakes saying, would you please come to my church? I don't see Paul doing that nowhere. I don't see the apostles going down to somebody's house and saying, would you please come down to our church because we got all these little programs for the kiddies. No, sir. No, sir. It's about being hooked up with something that's got power. And I'm telling you, I'm about dead with this. I'm about done with this dead religion, this dead religion, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. I'm about done with it. Old Philadelphia Free Will Baptist Church had some of these homosexual singers in there, the bearded moose. I just go ahead, I just go ahead and call them out. You go down to Philadelphia Free Will Baptist Church, you twice dead, plucked up by the roots, you lost on your way to hell, you are full of the devil going to have some Christian rock band come in there and entertain all the kiddies? Huh? Huh? You full of the devil. You welcome, you welcome, take it or leave it. That's what's on the menu. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. This is Jesus' kitchen. 
You don't get to come here like Burger King and have it your way. You're going to have to take it Jesus' way. That's the way it works in God's church. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. The church is something that's associated with power. I said it's associated with power. It's associated with power. It's not associated with dead religion. The church is not associated with this super kind and we just want to welcome everybody and just be so warm and kind and nice. You know what I find? You know what I find about the Apostle Paul's preaching? In 2 Corinthians, he said, we use great plainness of speech. That's one thing they said about it. I stole this off of that video that Brother Cody Zorn was talking about. That's a good point. Great plainness of speech. Our speech was contemptible. It was rude. And it was sharp. You ain't going to find that down at Philadelphia Free Will. You ain't going to find it over at, well, of course I say that. They don't use the right Bible, but Tim Hall will preach a hide off of you. But they don't use the right Bible. So somewhere along the lines, they're going to mess up. I'm still King James, by the way. I don't have a whole lot of respect for churches that mess around with other versions. I don't care whether it's ESV. That's something that was designed to put forth the doctrines of Calvinism. It's all that Bible's about. Oh, Kevin, oh, what's the fellow's last name? I'm wanting to say DeMay, but I can't, I don't think that's right. Big Calvinist, that's what he loves. Uh, Vadi Bokum, Bokum, that's what he uses. All big staunch Calvinists. That's what the ESV's all about. I ain't for the NIV. I ain't for all of this alphabet soup. I'm going to stick with the King James. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's what's right. That's what's right. You can take all the rest of the versions. And I don't care. I don't care if your grandma uses a wrong version. Listen. Listen, folks come in here with the wrong version. I'm not going to stand over their shoulders and say, you got the wrong version. You better get rid of that. You can't come to this church. No, they come to this church so we can help them get straight about that thing. We'll try and teach them. That's right. We're not going to run people off. Listen, if a drunkard comes in the back door and sits down on the back pew and they sit here and they smell like liquor, I ain't going to run them off the first service. They come in drunk a couple of times. I'm probably going to say something to them about it. Hey, you need to go home and get sober and then come back. We got little children around here. I'm not going to run them off. I'm going to preach to them. I'm going to preach the truth to them. Yes, sir. That's what, we, that's what the church is supposed to do. You say, why? Because the gospel changes lives. It doesn't let people stay in the dregs of their own iniquity. See, what's going on with the church is that we're more concerned about being nice and being friendly. And that, what that translates to is just let people be what they are. Just let people stay the way that they are. Horse manure. That ain't what you find in the book of Acts. That ain't what you find in 1st and 2nd Corinthians. That sure ain't what you find in the book of Romans. You trust Christ as your Savior and God begins to change some stuff. Yes, sir, that's what goes on. I still believe in repentance. I still believe in repentance. I believe when a man confesses his sins and he says, God, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner. And I don't like the way that I am. God, please save me. I believe that that will produce a change. That ain't, that ain't work salvation. A bunch of knuckleheads want to say that you preach repentance, you preach and work salvation. You're an idiot. You can't read. Amen. We're going to have a radio, couple of radio broadcasts about that. Amen. Trying to put the notes together right now. Hopefully that'll be next Sunday, but we'll see. Church ain't dead. She just playing possum. Oh, 
That's what the church is doing. But look here in Ephesians chapter 5. I ain't making it very far in this, but we'll, we'll get through here. Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse 14, 13. That's a great verse. Oh, man, we can't start there. Let's look up in verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. See, you are, you're, you're welcome to be around the unfruitful works of darkness. You're welcome to be around them. No fellowship, though. You know why you be around them? For reproof's sake. Hey, listen, you don't have to be a jerk about the thing. All you got to do is just look at it and say, that's not right. What do you mean that ain't right? It just ain't right. I think it's right. I think it's right. I think it's right. Okay, help yourself. But it ain't right. Brother Mike Alford was telling me he ran into some folks that we know down at the parade on uh, yesterday or whenever it was. And uh, they was down there. fella had a little girl with him and said, what do you think about women preachers? And Brother Mike shrugged his shoulders and said, it ain't scriptural. Well, I went to hear a woman preaching one time and got a great blessing out of it. Maybe she had some talent. That's what Brother Mike said. Maybe she was talented. Still ain't scriptural. I think it's right. I think it's right. I think it's right. Okay. I don't change the truth. Still wrong. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done to them in secret. You know, there's some things that you shouldn't talk about. Why? Because it's a shame. It's a shame. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. You know how reproof is taken care of? You know how you reprove? Just put it in the light. That's all you got to do. You don't have to come down and put your, nose, your finger in somebody's nose and say, you're wrong. You don't have to do that. You know what all you got to do, Brother Curtis? All you got to do to make people howl that are wrong is just stand up with the Bible and just say, the Bible says this is wrong. Look right here. I can't believe how judgmental that preacher is. <laughs> you got the wrong guy. I'm not on, I, my picture's not in the post office. It's America's most wanted. That's fugitives of justice. That's not me. The one you're looking for is Jesus. The one you're mad at is Jesus. The one you're mad at is that King James 1611. That's the one you're upset with. And listen, I just tell you, honey, I just tell you, if you're so right, where's your joy? Where's your peace? Huh? Listen, if you do right, the Bible says great peace, great peace, great peace. You stick this down in your spiritual pipe and you smoke it. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Nothing, nothing, nothing. That's the, way, that's the way God's truth works. That's the way it works when people begin to line themselves up with the truth. You say, what about charity? What about love? The Bible says that charity rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. If you don't like the truth, you ain't got no charity. That's the way it rolls, honey. That's the way it rolls. Sure. I just don't like your attitude that you say things with. What's that got to do with it? Oh, man, what's, I got to hurry up because I got to be out of here about 20 after. Well, I'm going I'm to just preach like the Lord wants me to preach this morning, whether you smile or you frown. I hope you smile. I really do. But, but anyways, what's attitude got to do with anything? That preacher just got a bad attitude. 
Well, listen, if he's standing up and saying what's right, whether he's whispering it or whether he's hollering it, what's the difference? Your adversity is with the truth. If your adversity is with the truth. Your adversity is with the truth. I, I understand not being a jerk. I fully understand that. But that ain't the problem most of the time. I understand, I understand that that ain't the problem. You know what the Bible says about wicked men? It's in one of the epistles to Timothy. You know what the Bible says about wicked men? You know what the Bible says about wicked men? The Bible says a lot of stuff about wicked men. But one of the things it says Paul said about uh, wicked men in one of his epistles to Timothy is he said they're unreasonable. Because wicked men, all men have not faith. Those unbelievers. Oh, he's talking about lost folk. Mm, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. But that's not always what he's talking about. A lot of saved folks have somewhere along the lines taken their faith and threw it out like an anchor. That's why when the storm comes, it blows them all around. All men have not faith. You know what that makes you? It makes you unreasonable. You try and present facts. Man, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how a God-called preacher can stand up. I still believe in God-called preachers too. But nonetheless, it's funny how God-called preachers can stand up and preach the truth. And all of a sudden, man, a fool, let me just say this, verse in Proverbs, a fool is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. You take a fool and set him down in the middle of seven people that are wise and can reason things out, and that fool will sit there and say, you are all wrong. Okay. Well, I'd, I'd say that's beyond dealing with somebody once or twice. That's at least dealing with him seven times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. There's great liberty in here this morning. It's almost dangerous. It really is almost dangerous. <clears throat> but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Brings it out into the open. Brings it out into the open. That's light. It brings it out into the open. Wherefore? Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. You know what's wrong with the church? She's sleeping. You know what she's doing? She's taking rest when she should be laboring. Talking about the body of Christ. You wonder how we've gotten into the Laodicean church age? I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. You know what happens when people don't have need of anything, Brother Pedro? They quit working. Mm -hmm. You know the Lord is very gracious with us as the body of Christ. God is very merciful to us in this capacity. The Lord understood that if there wasn't some kind of promise of reward, if there wasn't some kind of promise for reward for you as a Christian at the end of this life, you wouldn't do anything for it. Because that's the way people are. God made us that way. He that laboreth, laboreth for himself, for his mouth craveth it of him. God made us people that labor so that we can get something. And so the Lord said, I'll tell you what, I made you that way. So if you'll trust me as your Savior and then labor for me, I'll give you a reward at the end of the road. I'll give you an inheritance in my millennial kingdom. We're not talking about trucks. We're not talking about cars. We're not talking about houses. We're talking about thrones. We're talking about crowns. 
We're talking about the ability to look at other people who laughed and scorned and mocked at your Savior that went to the cross and bled and died for our sins, the sins of the whole world. We're talking about people that looked at you and made fun of you because you're one of those Bible thumpers. You believe in the King James 1611. That's right. That's me. That's, that's me. I'm one of those. You're the kind of guy that stands out on the street and you preach and people ridicule you and mock you and shoot you the bird. We're talking about if you stay faithful, if you do what God's told you to do, we're talking about you reigning over those kind of people. Not because you're something swift, just because you did what the Lord told you to do. That's it. How would you like that? That's mercy. You remember where you came from? I grew up in church. I got saved at seven years old, 1995, way out there in that field over there. But I've done worse things after I got saved than before. Yes, sir. I've done worse things after I got saved than before. You know where those things are right now? They're gone. You say, why? I confessed them. Got them right with God. Got them under the blood. It's gone. You know what I did? I got right with God and tried to give my life to the Lord. Just do my little part. Just do what I, I don't know how to do a whole lot, but I just tried to do my little, little lot. And God took that and begins to open up doors. Open up doors of opportunity. This has nothing to do with the message. Not even really sure how I got here, but it's true. God begins to open up doors for, for of opportunity. And as they open up, you just take them and just take them and just take them and just take them. You know what you get for that stuff? You get a reward. A lot to be said about that. I'm not trying to preach a message about that, but that's all laid out in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You get a reward. That stuff gets tried at the judgment seat of Christ. But I'm telling you what's going on right now with the church is that she's asleep, fast asleep. She's resting. She's trying to recuperate. Let me tell you something, church. Let me tell you something, church. This is not all of the body of Christ, but this is a local representation of the body of Christ. Let me tell you something, church. There will be time for you to rest in the grave. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My papa, my, my mother's dad, I didn't get to meet him a whole lot. I didn't know him very well. But one thing that he used to tell my mama, and my mama told me this about him, she said he used to say that he hated going to sleep. He didn't like to sleep. Why? Because that's the closest thing to death without dying. Lose consciousness, you're not even there. Just gone. Your body needs it. I'm talking about physiologically, as far as physically goes, your body needs some sleep. But I'm telling you as a Christian, as far as laboring for Jesus, you don't need much rest. Your mind needs to unwind as far as your mental, your mental capacities. Boy, sometimes I get my mind so wrapped around the Scripture and, boy, just trying to read so much and trying to absorb everything I can. Sometimes I've just got to reach up there and grab the plug and unplug it for a little while. Just let my mind unwind. But then I try to look for an opportunity to plug it right back in, man. No rest for the weary. Be not weary in well-doing. We'll reap if we faint not. There's a reward for you. Quit sleeping. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. I'm not talking about the temperature of the church this morning. I'm not talking about how quiet things are in here this morning. That's okay with me as long as God's dealing with your heart. It really is. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Wake up. Don't, don't be put to sleep by iniquity. 
Don't be put to sleep by sin. Don't be put to sleep by some smooth-talking fool. Amen. Don't be, don't be put to sleep. Don't be put to sleep by newscasters, CNN and NBC. Hmm? Don't be put to sleep by Benny Hinn. Ooh, Benny Hinn. Got to love Benny Hinn, don't we? Mm-hmm. Not me. Where am I at in here? Jesus said he's the light of the world, right? He's the light of the world. You say, well, preacher, I done let Jesus in. Okay, then what's he doing outside in Revelation chapter 3 at the end of the church age? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. The door what? The church. If any man will hear my voice. Not any congregation. One man. If any man will hear my voice. You know what it would take to get God involved in this church? Just one man. Somebody used to sing a song. As sure as this world is turning, goes on and it says, I want to be that man. I want to be that one. You know who I want to be, Brother Curtis? I want to be that fella that David, I believe it was David, wrote about in the book of Psalms. He said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. You know what a doorkeeper does? He opens the door. What you need to open the door for? Somebody standing on the outside knocking, trying to get in. And you know what the church right now is saying? Hey, stop knocking. We're trying to sleep in here. No, sir. No, sir. You know what a God called preacher's responsibility is to do? It's to get right down there right next to where you're sleeping in your pew and say, Hey, it's time to wake up. That's right. Time. Oh, Brother Nathan, that hurts my eardrums. It's just too loud. Well, that's what happens. That's what happens when Jesus shows up. Things get loud. Mark chapter 2, the Bible says, and it was noised. It was noised that Jesus was in the house. He in the house, man. That's as much of a brother you'll ever hear me talk. Mm -hmm. There ain't a black cell in my body, as far as I know. I kind of envy them when they jump, though. But nonetheless... He wants to get in. He wants to get in. You know why he can't get in? No reproof. Church don't want to let the light in. When the light comes in, it reproves. God begins to deal with hearts. The Lord said in John chapter 16, when he, the spirit of truth, the comforter, when he's come, he'll reprove the world of sin, first and foremost, sin, righteousness, and judgment. Well, Brother Nathan, when, when do we get past the point of to where he begins to, he, he quits reproving of sin and of righteousness and judgment? As soon as you get right, I guess. But see, when you get right, now you've got the ability to turn around and rejoice. Every, every voice that comes out is condemnation from across the pulpit or every voice that you hear coming out of the pages of that book that was before a voice of condemnation, now it's a voice of assurance. Quit drinking. Quit smoking. Quit chewing tobacco. Quit running with them that do. Quit cussing. Well, if you're guilty of one of those, boy, it's condemnation. But boy, if you're not guilty of them, you stand up on your hind legs and you say, praise God, man. I got the victory over that stuff. What was before a voice of condemnation is now it's a voice of assurance. 
hey, I got that right. I got that taken care of, man. I'm, I'm right with the Lord at least about that. Praise God. Praise God. You see what I'm saying? Amen. I believe you do. I believe you do. At least I hope you do. Look here in Matthew 9. The Bible says, let me find my place here. Verse 23, the Bible says, When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise. You know who's in there? It's those minstrels. You say, what is that? That's people. I've been told, I don't know how true this is, but I've been told that in those days people would come by and they were actually hired. I don't know how true this is, but it's kind of interesting if it's true. People were hired to come in. If somebody died of folks, you know, that somebody passed away, they would actually pay money for somebody to come in and weep with those that weep like the Apostle Paul tells you to do in Romans chapter 14. That's weird. My mama just died. God forbid that take place. My mama just died. I want you to come to my house and cry with me. How much, how much is that worth to you? That's weird. You know that's what Hollywood does, though? You say, what is that? That's some minstrels. That's some people that come in down to your house, and they're just faking. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, that's, some, that's some Hollywood fellas. A Hollywood crowd. Yes, sir. That's some false preachers that have come in and wrap you around the shoulder. When you're living in iniquity and living in sin, and they wrap your arms around you and say, it's going to be all right. Everything's going to be fine. You'll make it. Don't worry about all this trouble that's showing up in your life. That's just the devil fighting against you. That ain't the devil fighting against you. That's God fighting against you. That's God being your adversary. Boy, I've gotten here several times and began to preach. Boy, it just seemed real tough. Oh, what's wrong with all these people? Get back in my office and begin to pray about it. And God said, it ain't those people. It's you. You didn't prepare enough. You didn't read your Bible like you're supposed to this week. You sure wasn't praying like you're supposed to this week. How do you expect to have any power when you preach? <laughs> you know what I was doing? I was being one of them minstrels, faking it, just faking it, just going along. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, he said unto them, give place. Just give place. You know what? <clears throat> These fellas, even if that ain't true, even if nobody was paid to come down there and weep with those that weep, even if that's true, don't you think it's really strange that these people are crying one minute and when Jesus says, she ain't, sleep she ain't dead, she's just sleeping, all of a sudden they turn around and they start laughing? You're not really sorry. Something's a little off there. You're not sorrowing with those that are in sorrow. You're just playing make-believe. You're messing around in the sandbox with your little Tonka trucks. Put those things away when you become five or six or seven. I mean, you hold on to them as long as you want. Brother Curtis tells that story of his daddy. Bought him one Tonka truck, and that thing fell apart, and it had two axles, and he took a two-by-four, cut it, and stapled those two axles to that two-by-four. That was their Tonka truck. Yeah, that's making a dollar last, boy, I tell you. But we ain't going to preach on money because we'll lose the whole service. <sighs> Anyways, church is acting dead because that's who she's hanging around. 
actors. Mm -hmm. Hard. It's hard to act like you got any power when you're influenced by people who really don't. You see what I'm saying? It's going to be very hard to stand up and take the bull by the horns when the people that you're influenced by can't do that. Right? <clears throat> Elisha preached about this a couple of Sundays ago. I don't remember how long ago it was. Elisha. Elijah took Elisha under his wing and began to train him and began to disciple him and began to bring him along. And he gets out there and Elisha gets taken up in a whirlwind and a chariot of fire and that mantle falls down to the ground and Elisha goes over and picks up that mantle and he walks over there to the brook and he says, where's the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? That's not what he says. He says, where's the Lord God of Elijah? Smites that water and it parts the same way that it parted for Elijah. You say, why? Same God. It's the same God. You listen to a fire-breathing preacher get up and preach, and you think, man, God really doing something for that guy. God could do everything and more, everything and more for you. But I'll tell you this, it's going to be hard for you to believe that if you're not influenced by a fellow who God's doing something for. You see what I'm saying? You're going to have to begin to surround yourself with people that God is working in their life and God is doing something. That's the benefit of coming to church. The benefit of being in a church is watching God move among his people. And man, if God can do that for them, why couldn't he do that for me? That's encouragement. Sure it is. Sure it is. But you're not. Church is acting dead because that's who she's hanging around. She's hanging around actors. Well, look at what he says. Verse 24. Give place. Get out of the way. Move. It's going to be real hard for the, for the Lord to take hold of the hand of the church until you let Jesus put the actors out. Let, them, let Jesus run the actors out of your life. Hmm? Let, it, let him run them out. Somebody come in your life and they're just playing games. And I'll just tell you, the biggest one I can think of right now is Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody who gets paid to act like one thing when they're really not, they get paid to act like they're 20 when they're really 63. That's a phony. That's just phony, phony, phony. But see, the church has been influenced by Hollywood for so long that now we begin to get our doctrine and we begin to get our influence from Hollywood well, I mean, you know, this is just the way things are. And I mean, it's just so fun to watch all this stuff. Watch somebody get on television, act like a bunch of homosexuals. Well, they're really not that way. So, that's just weird. That's just strange. That's all there is to it. Mm -hmm. Nothing's going to happen until you let Jesus put the actors out. I'm talking about out of your life, out of your heart. Maybe you're that actor. Yes, sir. Let, let the Lord deal with you about that stuff. That's right. That's true. Let God deal with you about that stuff. And I tell you, like I said at the beginning of this message, when the people were put forth, verse 25, he went in. You notice he didn't go in until they came out. Jesus didn't go in until they came out. But Nathan, I'm really waiting on the Lord to do something in my life. He's waiting on you to get the actor. He's waiting on you to let him drive the actors out. 
The Lord will undertake the work for you if you'll give him your consent. When is God really going to do something in my life? As soon as you let him take control. I want God to work in my life. I really want God to work in my life. The Lord says, okay. He begins to take his hands and put his hands in your life. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing? Well, I'm trying to do something in your life. Oh, you can't move that. I got that picture right where I want it. Oh. I guess you really didn't want the Lord to do something in your life. So the Lord says, okay. Well, when you're ready to let me move that, call me, and I'll be right back. Oh, no, 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 no. I got, I got this piece of furniture over here that really needs to be moved over here. The Lord said, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in that right there. Lord, it's just a picture. The Lord says it needs to go. I got something I got to put there. Nah. Okay. The Lord says, nah. All of a sudden, you get down to pray one day, and you begin to pray like Samson did. I'll go out as I did before. And the Bible says he wished not that the Spirit went from him. Get down on your knees one day and you begin to pray. And the Bible says, like old Israel, the heavens become as brass. Things just don't seem like they used to be. Sure. 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 You say, what's going on? You're not dead. Man, I just don't feel like I have any life. You're not dead. You're not dead. Listen to me. Listen to me. You're not dead. Things are not over. Things are not over. It's just turned into a message of rebuke, I guess. But let me tell you something. Right along with that rebuke, things are not over. You're not dead yet. You're just playing possum. You know what gets a lot of Christians playing possum? Fear. Terrified by adversaries. Somebody come up and begin to give you resistance. I, I had about four messages I wanted to preach this morning where they wasn't sure. Well, one of them was about old Gideon. I got a message on Gideon called God's Scaredy Cat. God's Scaredy Cat. Scaredy Cat, Scaredy Cat, Scaredy Cat. That's Gideon. I'm going to do my best not to preach it right now, but Gideon gets into a place to where God says, Lord's with you, mighty man of valor. Me? Here's old Gideon threshing wheat behind the wine press, trying to hide it from the Midianites. Me? Yeah, you. Oh, if I'm a mighty man of valor, then why is all this befalling us? Lord knows more about you than you do. It's not over. It's not over. You're not dead yet. You're not dead. Church is not dead. Hey, let me tell you something. You look around and you look at the bad shape that the body of Christ is in. She's not dead yet. She's still in touch. She's still got that little spark of life down in her chest. And all it would take is for her to just open the door and let the master come in and take her by the hand and lift her up. Lift her up. Jesus is not going to come in and grab you by the hand and let you lay right where you're laying. He's not going to let you just sit there and keep doing what you're doing. He's not going to sit there and let you sit there and be idle. He's going to grab you by the hand and he's going to lift you up. He's going to lift you up to higher planes. He's going to lift you up to higher ground. And then there's going to be responsibility. There's going to be great responsibility. Great responsibility. But you're not dead. Maybe you're just playing possum. Mm -hmm. You know what the world's doing right now? They're having the great 
funeral procession of the church. Oh, she did. There ain't nothing to her. I read an article yesterday, uh, late last night, some idiot talking about how that now that this stuff has gone on with all this transgender stuff and it's passing through Congress, that now the role of a preacher is he's going to really have to start from scratch and really begin to establish to the world uh, man, just going to have to start all the way down at the basics and really just be the anchor for the world. No, they ain't. No, the church is not. See, that's the attitude. That's the attitude that the church has taken towards the world. Our responsibility has never, has never been to save the world. It has never been to save the world. Our responsibility as the church is to pull people out of it. You know what the Bible says? Miss uh, Jesse gave me a letter from a J.W., and I'm going to write it as a response from Miss Jessie. Because if she finds out it's a preacher, she won't write me back. And I really would like to win this girl. J.W. is still a bunch of Baptists. I want to steal some J.W.'s. Right. Amen. If I can get them straight. But nonetheless, she's talking about the world, talking about the world, talking about the world, and how we're not supposed to be part of the world. And she goes through all this stuff. One of the things I bring out is Galatians chapter 1. The Bible said that Jesus Christ died to deliver us from the world. That's how you get out of the world. It's not by not voting, which is what she says. If you vote, you're part of the world. That's stupid. The way you get out of the world is by getting saved. Amen. Amen. That's true. That's true. The way you get out of the world is by being delivered from it, according to Galatians chapter 1. Have you been delivered? Mm -hmm. Churches, the world's got their little piccolo out, got their little flute, and they're playing that slow, sad song. What y'all doing? Are we celebrating the death of the church? Church ain't dead. Well, there she goes. Watch the funeral procession. See? They drove past here. Oh, uh, Judge Phillips, Sr., they had this funeral procession driving right out here. You know what's going on? The church is celebrating the funeral procession of the church. The world's celebrating their funeral procession. All it would take is for Jesus just to walk up in the middle of all that. The Bible said that he did that one time. He stopped the beer. That's that procession. He stopped it, and he reached down there, and he grabbed a hold of that person, and whoo! Man, something got a hold of me. You say, what is that? That's the master. That's, that's the church's bride. That's the, or that's the church's groom. That's the, that's the one that died to birth that church. That's the one that got put to sleep, so to speak, just like Adam did. And out of his bleeding side, God pulled forth a rib and made that woman. There he is. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. You know what you need more than anything this morning? I don't care who you are sitting in here this morning. You need to get in touch with the Lord. You need to get in touch with the Lord. And I'm telling you, give that close. You know all it would take? All it would take is for you to humble yourself and get out on your knees and say, God, I need some help. My old life is dry. It's crusty. It's got a bunch of dust on it, God. You said, Brother Nathan, I haven't read my Bible like I should have this week. All you got to do is get out on your knees and say, Lord, I'm sorry. God, I need some help. You know what? You need to quit depending. You need to quit depending. Not saying you need to quit doing right. But you need to quit wearing that righteousness as a badge and expecting that that's the reason why God deals with you. You know why God deals with you? He deals with you by grace. He deals with you by mercy. 
And if you just plead with him for it, if you just ask him, God, I ain't done what I was supposed to do this past week. I've not been anywhere near the Christian that I was supposed to be. God, I need a touch from you anyway. Lord might just show up. There's no doubt he might. He will. He'll show up and reach down there and just lay his hands on your hands and lift you right up, wake you out of that drunken stupor, wake you up out of that sleep. You get up and go forth in power, you'll be able to do something for Jesus. Yes, sir. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God spoke to your heart this morning. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? You need to get in touch with Jesus. Why don't you come down here to an old-fashioned altar and get in touch with him? Why don't you get in touch with the master? God, help us this morning. God, we thank you. Lord, thank you. God, that the church is not dead. She's just sleeping. She's just asleep. God, Lord, I pray that you'd wake us up. God, help us. Lord, wake us up out of the stupor, God, Lord, that we put ourselves into. God, Lord, we thank you for being so merciful, for being so kind. God, Lord, for watching out over us. God, Lord, even in our iniquities. God, even in our coldness. God, I pray, Lord, that you help us, God, Lord, to believe that you are the good God that you said you are. Lord, help us, God, Lord, to come humbly before you. God, I pray you do something in our hearts. God, work on us, Lord, we thank you. God, thank you, Lord, for how good you are to us. Lord, I pray you'd bless these folks, God, as they're around the altar. Lord, pray that you'd help them, God, deal with them. Lord, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Some have come. You need to come this morning. Why don't you come? Do business with the Lord. Ask God to get a hold of your heart.